right, so welcome back to another episode of Beats and Real Talk, where we talk to interesting people of color in music, film, and everything in between. People who are proactive about pushing their culture forward through their creative efforts. And today we have Snoop, the serial entrepreneur. And that is the truth because she is the owner of Crave, Escobar Atlanta, Escobar South, Remedy Salon, The Hookah Hideaway, members only. I could keep going, but I'm going to just let her introduce herself. Thank you for coming, Snoop. Welcome to Beats and Real Talk. Oh, we having some technical difficulties. Can you hear me, Snoop? Hello. Yes, I can hear you much better now. Yes. Okay, yeah. Can you hear Sorry, us? I had a call coming in. But yeah, thanks for having me. I definitely appreciate it. No problem. It's a pleasure. No doubt. So I've said all that to say that, and I'm just gonna go right on in and say, what's going on with the soup Hefner that happened this weekend? I, that's my first thing I want to know about. <laughs> yeah. So the Snoop Hefner um, pool party that was a, a late birthday celebration for myself. My birthday was April third, which um, here in Georgia it was actually the very first day that um, the governor decided to put us on lockdown. So. We had originally had like four different birthday parties planned for me. I normally do something at, at um, each one of my different venues. And then I also do like a, a yacht party. So instead of the, doing the yacht party, we decided to do the, the pool house party thing instead. And um, yeah, it was definitely a major success. You know, a lot of people, you know, had a great time. Um, and even though it rained, you know, all day long, we really didn't get a chance to utilize the pool and the outside of the venue as much. Um, but that just allowed everybody, you know, to to be inside in one space, you know, and to to enjoy. You know, we had topless bartenders and uh, over 25 of the hottest dancers in the city. So um, it, it was definitely a sight to see. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> did, did I'm sure. Did y'all catch any of the videos? I, I, I did catch some of the videos, not all of them, but I did catch some of the videos. And I was like, wait, now I know Bootsy was having something. So I'm like, well, it, it was a, it was kind of hard to decide whether or not they wanted to go to your event or Bootsy event. That's what I'm hearing. Oh, uh, really? I ain't really hearing that it was any uh, consideration. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think one of the unfortunate things that happened with the Boosie event was that they didn't have um, utilization of the inside of um, their venue. So it kind of caused their event to end um, much earlier than expected, you know, being that it was raining that day. Understand. Okay, so... At the end of the day, you still got on top as usual, huh? Oh, for sure. For sure. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Snoop. At what age did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Uh, I pretty much knew ever since I was a, a young kid. You know, I was always one of those type of people. You know, people always ask you, you know, when you're a kid, what do you want to do for a living? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I always said that I was going to own a bunch of businesses and take care of my mom once I get older. Okay. That's what's up. Do, do you yeah, think, so I think... I think sometimes you just know. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, 
uh, I talked to two chains pretty closely and we had both kind of shared that story with each other, you know, even him with like his music, you know, he was like, you know, I always just knew, you know what I'm saying? And same thing for me. I've been, I come from a, a background of hustlers, you know, my dad's side of the family, um, they pretty much ran, you know, a, a big, you know, drug cartel, um, that whole side of the family, you know, my entire life. Um, my mom has always been a legal hustler. Um, she's a nurse practitioner. So to kind of go that far in her medical career while wait, while raising three kids on her own, um, you know, so I, I just, I come from a, of a lineage of, you know, hardworking individuals. I mean, so mm -hmm. you, you okay. say it's kind of like in your DNA just to, you know, um, it was really embedded in you just from your environment to kind of shape the mold that mindset. You say it's, it's kind of accurate. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It makes sense. Okay. Okay. So would it be fair to say that your mom and your dad inspired you to be these, uh, to be an entrepreneur? Um, well, you know, my mom is definitely not an entrepreneur herself. And so in the beginning, it was kind of hard for her to understand why I would want to go out on my own versus just getting, you know, a regular job with benefits and kind of playing it safe. Um, you know, I do have a grandfather, you know, who owned his own business. And so that was, you know, inspiring to me. Um, but I more so, you know, there was a couple of people that I kind of met um, in my financial advising career. Um, that had their own businesses that kind of more so, um, I guess, inspired me to to go on the route that I did. But I kind of went on a different path than everyone else. You know, I went to Vanderbilt University, which is a top 20 school. And so when I got into just throwing parties and things of that nature, you know, people kind of looked at me as if, you know, I was doing something wrong. You know what I mean? As if I wasn't living up to my education. Um, so I definitely kind of mm -hmm. went against the grain i would say you know to get to where i am today interesting um that's you mentioned like vanderbilt like that's definitely like a prestigious school was was there any like did you feel like when you were at vanderbilt that your education kind of helped you know what you want to do or was it kind of like, like i've heard so many stories of different people like where they like they said that they're in school but their entrepreneurial pursuits were kind of in opposition to what they were learning, learning at school. Would you say that was your experience or was it? Did, did yeah, it, did I would definitely say that that's my experience. But for me, I needed to go to go to go to college more so to grow up, grow up. You know, I was yeah. 16. Um, I had just turned 16 when I graduated from being in my birthday is in April. So when I graduated from high school, I had only been 16 one month. So that was too young to, to, to know what it was that I wanted to do and how to do it and to really start getting out there like that. You know what I mean? So right, right. I personally kind of needed to go to grow up and for the socialization aspect. Okay. That makes sense. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, since your mother is an, in the uh, realm of being an entrepreneur, but now she sees how successful her daughter is, can you tell us, um, and does your mom see the difference now and the importance of ownership? Definitely. She definitely does. Um, it came to a point where 
you know, if I would have tried to go get a job somewhere, she would have thought I was crazy, you know what I mean? And she ended up becoming, you know, one of, you know, my strongest believers and things of that nature. So she definitely has seen the importance of entrepreneurship. You know, I have a fully fledged company that can be, you know, passed down, you know, I'm creating a legacy and, and things of that nature. So um, it's definitely something that um, she's learned to appreciate um, and to realize that, you know, people can, you know, uh, find their own way and make their own path. Most definitely. Okay. Yeah. Can you guys yeah, hear yeah. me? Uh-huh. Okay. Just make sure I, I, I got one of those it call-ins just a minute ago. Okay, can you hear me? Okay, great. I'm sorry about that. Now, um, I did want to ask because a lot of businesses are are suffering because of COVID and being as though you are the owner of more than several businesses, um, how is COVID uh, impacting your businesses? Um, so initially, it, it was definitely um, greatly impacting us. Um, you know, when, when we first, you know, we're just number one, it was just, you know, very odd and, and just came from a, a really uncomfortable place of, you know, you owning a business and working hard um, to get it open and to keep it open. And then someone telling you that, you know, you're forced to shut down the business. So um, I think that probably put all business owners um, at, an advent, in a, at a dis, you know, advantage. Um, However, you know, I think once the government, you know, kind of started giving out money and things of that nature, um, it definitely um, helped to, you know, kind of curb, you know, some of those fears and um, some of those, you know, financial burdens as well. Uh, being that I live here in the state of Georgia, uh, we, uh, I forget the date that we were told to close, but we were able to open back up April 30th. So, uh, once we were able to open back up, okay. um, we pretty much saw our sales increase about 40% from where they were when we initially closed before COVID. Um, and some of this is due to uh, one of the businesses that I own. I own it with um, the Grammy Award winning rapper 2 Chains. And so they had us on the shade room quite a bit during the shutdown, which just caused more people to know about our restaurants and things of that nature. Also being that we were one of the first states to open and so many other states remain closed, that caused a lot of people to travel to um, the state of Georgia, specifically the city of Atlanta, um, to kind of get away from their cities and states that were still closed and, you know, had so many restrictions due to COVID. So um, it's brought, you know, many more people to the city in which we still continue to see that today. Um, and, you know, honestly, all of my businesses are up by about 30 to 40% in sales. So, um, it, it kind of comes at a, it, it's odd because, you know, we are being definitely extremely blessed, um, during a period, um, of trials and tribulations and, and uncomfortability for, you know, most other individuals. So, um, it's more of like a humbling for us. That's 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 often okay. better. I mean, that's that, you know, that you're able to recoup and see increase though. For sure. Yeah. 
And especially to be up 30 to 40 percent, what you were before, that's definitely pretty Yeah, it's a blessing for sure. Yeah. Now, you did mention uh, 2 chains, and everybody know 2 chains. So uh, tell us um, how you two got connected and uh, started these uh, business adventures. Uh, we pretty much got connected. I used to own a, a little spot called the Hookah Hideaway. Um, it's a kind of was an Atlanta staple. We were one of the first spots to really um, kind of hone in on the after hours. And so uh, with the success of that location, I knew that I wanted to do another spot. Uh, somewhere in downtown Atlanta and I went over to the Peter Street Castleberry Hills area with my realtor and uh, was just looking for different opportunities over there and um, he was he was cool with one of Two Chains' business managers slash realtor and um, they knew that I was looking to do a restaurant. He had kind of heard heard about me and so he was a little familiar, you know, with my reputation and um we met and you know kind of put it together and we just um we have a lot of similarities in our personality and um uh, we really just kind of clicked um and we've been doing business ever since so we've been um doing business for the past 5 years we own two Escobar locations together we also own a spot called Members Only Lounge and Restaurant um, and then we're also working on um, another concept that we're working on. It's called Escobar Seafood, which is going to be on Edgewood here in Atlanta. So um, that's something new that we're actually we just signed a lease for and um, we're getting getting ready to announce and um, go ahead and put that put that into place. And so that's uh, um, that's based off of our, our main concept, Escobar Restaurant and Tapas. Um, but it's just going to be kind of the seafood leg of it. So. Um, kind of like juicy crab, but with a lounge vibe. That is awesome. Okay. You heard here, you okay. heard here first, folks. That's Mark Seafood. <laughs> yeah. And and me being a pescatarian, that's 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 perfect for me. So I uh, I would definitely uh, be frequenting that location as well. So. For sure. For sure. Yeah, Edgewood is definitely. And Edgewood is definitely a spot that a lot of people know about and people are gravitating to because I also know that uh, Slutty Vegan, another successful black woman in Atlanta who has two locations now, and I see that she's opening another one uh -huh. on Edgewood as well. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's definitely a good area to, to be in. Definitely, mm -hmm. for sure. Now... In regards to being a uh, entrepreneur, um, what are three things that you would tell you know these up and coming entrepreneurs? Three three things that they should avoid when uh, starting. Oh, uh, three things they should avoid in starting a business. Uh, one, make sure that you do the research, you know, um, so that you know what you're getting into, so that you're not um, spending money and or wasting money, um, by learning, you know, at the same time, of course, you're not going to know everything. Um, but, you know, make sure you do your research before you put your first foot out there. Uh, make sure you put a business plan together. Um, all of those things are super, super important. Um, secondly, I hear of a lot of people trying to work with business partners, look for investors, things of that nature. Uh, make sure that you have contracts, make sure that you have everything on paper um, so that, you know, if uh, legal issues and matters and things of that nature arise, um, you know, everything that you guys, you know, said that you were going to do and, and put together is right there on paper. And so it makes 
uh, things like that, you know, much easier to combat. Um, so that would be the second thing. Um, the third thing is, you know, it's not easy. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think a lot of people look at individuals like myself that has been doing this for years. And of course, now at this point, I'm able to make it easy. You know, I have help. I've got uh, GMs at every location, AGMs, directors of operations, um, event personnel, office managers, things of that nature. But it takes it takes time to build a team of that caliber. For many, many years, I did all of this alone by myself, and it was very hard. It was very tiring. Um, it was a lot that I gave up. Um, and so um, it, that's important for people to realize is, you know, you know, you see a seasoned business owner, and a lot of people think that it's going to be easy and that they're going to start off making a certain amount of money and that... Um, you know, they're going to be able to hire a bunch of people to help them initially. And it's just not the case. You know, you've got to put in, um, there's no elevator, you know, to success. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you got to put in the work. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, I think that hard work always pays off. Hard work beats talent, um, all of those different things. So, uh yeah, that's those are definitely three things that I think are very important for anyone looking to get started on their entrepreneur entrepreneurship journey. Awesome. Okay, it's definitely vital information. Definitely vital information that uh, I can use as well. And it's it's and when it comes to social media, you know, nowadays a lot of people. It, they do make it look easy because there's a lot of tricks that you can do to make it look easy, you know? So with social media, it, it, it gives that persona that that can happen. And it also, it gives it another look at it as far as someone as you who's juggling a lot of uh, businesses. So, you know, that, that thing where people say that, uh, you know, focus on one thing and make that great. But you said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put my hands in this business and this business and this, this business. So did that become a struggle for you? And how if so, then, you know, how did you level that out? Um, it didn't for me because I was very cognizant of adding more things on my plate and when I did it. So you know, at first it was just the hookah hideaway. Then I opened up a spot called Posh. Um, and then Posh, um, I got out of that that business uh, venture because of the business partners that I was working with. And then that's when I did Escobar. Um, and once I did Escobar, I was able to kind of start putting some systems in place that would make it easier when it was time to open up new locations. And after I opened up Escobar, I didn't open up anything new for two years so that I could really learn how to systematic how to systemize that business. Um, and then after that, I did Remedy Salon Suites. And so that's kind of an easier concept for me. That's more of like daytime money. It's less stressed. And um, I had that going. And then I did Members Only. So it was like I still kind of waited, you know, in a sense to do different things. And I made sure that, you know, I didn't do two, three, or four restaurants at one time and stress myself out. You know, I would at least kind of wait a year and, Maybe I'm bringing on someone else to help and different things of that nature. So um, everything was pretty, pretty thought out, you know, before I actually did it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I definitely um, noticed like you kind of, you have different concepts you do. Like what, like what determines like, you know, 
okay, I'm going to do a restaurant this time or I'm going to do a salon this time? Or like, do you look at, like, is any uh, venture open to you or do you have specific things you want, you kind of want to stay in or are you kind of open to anything like tech? Uh, I'm not necessarily just open to anything. You know, I like the restaurants. I like the salon suites. Um, I want to get into the healthcare industry. Uh, People are always going to need healthcare. Yeah. And I want to get into the cannabis industry. Um, you know, I'm also a pretty big investor. So I get into a lot of early stage investments, um, such as like I just got into investing in Robinhood, um, the app Robinhood that allows yeah. you to invest. You know, I love Robinhood. Yeah. yeah, so it hasn't went public yet. Um, you know, like it's not you can't look Robinhood up on like the New York Stock Exchange market. It doesn't have a stock ticker yet, um, but it will within the next couple of years. Well, I'm already invested in, in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Um, like I said, big on investing, um, hospitality industry is always going to be strong. Um, even with COVID people still want to go out. Um, you know, they're still going to want to get out there and eat and different things of that nature. Um, yeah. And, um, healthcare, people are always going to need healthcare and, um, the, the health and beauty industry, you know, is a strong industry here in Atlanta as well. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Now, you said you do invest in such as uh, businesses as Robinhood. Do you um, invest in regards to uh, startup businesses as well? Um, it just depends. I, I allow, um, so I have a financial advisor, and then I have this other guy that I work with, and he's the one that brings me those type of investments. And I pretty much invest in what he brings me, but not just like any Joe Blow on the street that's like, hey, I'm getting my business open and I need an investor. Um, that's not really my specialty. Um, I like to invest in, you know, well put together portfolios that are, you know, million billion dollar companies um, that, you know, will be going public soon that pretty much already have their ducks in a row. They're already making money and things of that nature. Right. Okay. I was having a little breakup. Uh, can you guys hear me? I don't know if it's me or someone else. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, very good. Okay, great. Okay. Okay. And um, now in regards to um, with you being a, a business mogul in a sense, now you have a lot of businesses within the uh, city of Atlanta, the outskirts, everything of that nature. Are you looking to franchise at some point? Yes, I am. I'm definitely looking to franchise and move into, you know, the Houston area um, and the South Florida area. Um pretty here uh probably within like the next um year to 18 months okay okay awesome awesome um kind of given that i wanted to ask you about um just a kind of a your approach because i i noticed like people like you people like two chains uh like tip like it seems uh i know i know tip has talked about it where the principle of gentrifying your own community and like he was talking he was speaking about like a lot of property he's bought and like that you guys have bought too you you and uh two chains like just like call opportunity zones like you know we're gonna buy this we're gonna buy up this block before someone else from outside our community comes and buys it um can you talk kind of talk about the importance of that and reinvesting our own communities and bringing adding value to it um for people who look like us 
Um, yeah, you know, definitely super important. Um, if we don't do it, you know, somebody else will, you know, and come in and change the way that our communities look and um, take away the opportunities that we could be giving um, to our youth mm. uh, in our own community. So um, that's one of the main reasons why it's important. Um, but then, you know, you have so many of these like real estate investors, um, white real estate investors that come and start the regentrification process in our neighborhoods and end up um, making so much money, you know, end up pushing um, some of our elderly people um, out um, and yeah. out of yeah. you know, their homes and things that they've owned for years for little or nothing. They slap some paint on it and some different things, and then um, they end up making the two, three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. So yeah, Definitely. So, um, it's important for us to make sure that we do that, and that uh, you know, we're able to take advantage of that um, and keep the opportunities and things of that nature um, in our own communities. Yeah, most definitely. It's 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 so important and. I mean, I just always take pride in supporting one of our own. I mean, I've been to Escobar a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, my uh, treated my wife to um, uh, Pamper Nelson, and she was saying how much she, you know, how much just the experience was top notch. And so it's like, you know, it's important that we understand that our businesses have value, and we can get a top tier experience at a business that's owned by one of us too. So. Um, I'm so big on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I had a question um, because I know I see a lot of black people have so many businesses out here. Like we have uh, We Buy Black where we can go and we can find all these different black businesses, which I love and want to continue to support. But the one thing that I don't see really big is black people, us getting um, a lot of black people in tech and also a lot of black people within like the um, the food industry as far as like grocery stores. I, I've, I've always thought like, you know, someone like a Jay-Z or a Diddy like come together in New York and have this this beautiful supermarket that you know the that the hood can go to and reinvest in that since we do know about these these uh food deserts so i've always wondered about that so i wanted to ask your opinion in regards to that industry and also the lack in tech um so as far as the grocery stores i mean i really don't have a big comment on that because it's that i've really even explored myself um Hey, Snoop, are you there? You're breaking up. Can you, Chris, is it just me or is she breaking up too? Yeah, she's breaking up mine too. Okay. Are you there, Snoop? Hello? Yeah, we hear you. Right. Can you hear us? Okay. Yeah, it seems like I got disconnected. I had to leave my office and get into my car. I'm heading to a meeting. But um, as far as the grocery stores, um, I really can't comment on that as much because it's not really something that I've even um, looked into or researched or anything myself. Um, however, as far as tech, I definitely think that more of us need to get involved in tech. I actually have an app called Girl Talk, um, and it's in, a, it's in the Apple store. Uh, but it's an app for women to be able to meet other women um, 
through it's, it's basically you know like a uh, a social media okay. app um a dating app for women to be able to meet other women uh and uh, there was another friend of mine, you know, she was in tech. Um, I'm really good friends with Dr. Uh, Paul Judge. Um, he's a huge uh, tech, tech um, he's a he's a huge uh, tech pioneer um, straight out of here in Atlanta, but uh, definitely needs to be, you know, Atlanta, we're trying to get a bigger presence in tech here. Um, you know, Georgia Tech is a great school. Um, that we've got here. And so we've got a, starting to get a lot of people of color coming out um, in that field. Uh, but there's so much money in technology and it's definitely an industry that more of us need to tap into. Um, definitely not enough black people in Silicon Valley um, and just not enough black people in the industry, you know, as a whole. And I think just, you know, we need more black individuals that are more of, you know, your math and science uh, tech types um, that really, you know, um, can can get into that industry and make an impactful difference. Right. Definitely. Exactly. I agree. It's definitely in our field. So we definitely understand you're a busy woman. You're from one place to another place to another location. And I ain't mad <laughs> that you. I respect it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no problem. So I do appreciate you coming on and giving us your time on Be Some Real Talk. Uh, definitely let everyone know how they can connect with you or start following you. Absolutely. So um, they can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram name is Who is Snoop. Um, also, my website, whoissnoop.com, as well as courses.whoissnoop.com. Um, I have a lot of online courses. Some are free, some are paid. Um, they teach you how to get into entrepreneurship, teach you how to start saving, investing, um, how to pick the right staff, how to, you know, get licenses and permits to open up restaurants. Um, so I've got a wealth of knowledge um, on my website. And then I've also got my own YouTube channel. So every Friday we're dropping episodes. The episode that's going to drop this Friday is going to be a re recap from the Snoop Hefner pool party. Um, so I would definitely recommend everybody to go ahead and subscribe because uh, that was definitely one of the biggest parties of the year. So we'll be recapping it this Friday. But uh, thanks for having me, guys. I certainly appreciate it, and I hope y'all have a great day. No problem. Thank you. All right. Thank you. You as well, Snoop. We appreciate you. All right, guys. You have now listened to another episode of Beats and Real Talk with Snoop, the serial entrepreneur. All right, until next time, have a good one. You too, all right.